1: Terren Pritchett.
2: We have just a few hours left in this year's college football season as we get set to crown a national champion out in La La Land. TCU and Georgia, the last two teams standing, both going after that national championship. It would be a storybook run for TCU. It would be business as usual for Kirby Smart's Georgia Bulldogs as they look to go back to back as national champions. Hi everyone, Darren Pritchett with you. Welcome to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat on this Monday, January the 9th of 2023. It's eight minutes after 5 o'clock. We're broadcasting live on 960 a.m. WSBT, streaming live. At WSBTRadio.com, our free WSBT radio app. And also, we have the Twitch app up and rolling today. Hope you had a terrific weekend. Thanks for joining me on Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat. Wow, just about 10 years ago, I think yesterday, right at this moment, I was sitting down at the Miami Dolphins Stadium. The name has changed about 12 times since I was there, but was sitting next to my good friend, former Irish quarterback Evan Sharpley, getting set to watch Notre Dame and Alabama compete for a national championship. For Notre Dame, didn't go well that night. Two playoff appearances since, but still trying to get that first national championship since Lou Holtz and the Irish back in 1988. Tonight, Georgia can become the first team to win back-to-back titles in the playoff era and the first team to win back-to-back championships since Alabama in 2011 and, yes, 2012. Well, we are going to talk about the matchup coming up in our next segment. We will use our advantage game in tonight's National Championship game. And I'll come up with a score prediction at the end of that segment. We've got our Twitter question of the day, which also will center around the National Championship game. The draft order for the National Football League is set. The Chicago Bears are at 1, the Indianapolis Colts at 4, and the Detroit Lions at 6-18. and So our local football fan base will be looking at a lot of mock drafts over the next couple of months until we get to the end of April when the 2023 National Football League draft takes place. And, of course, we'll try to figure out where Irish tight end Michael Mayer will land in round number one. Also coming up on the program this evening, both Irish basketball teams lost to North Carolina. D.J. Brown returning to the fighting Irish football team. We have our Sizzler segment at the end of the second hour, some sports wagering picks. We've got a couple of picks tonight on the national championship game, an NBA and an NHL pick as well. The TCU bus is on its way to the stadium to get set for tonight's national championship game against the prohibitive favorite, the Georgia Bulldogs. All right, let's get to a couple of newsworthy topics to start the program. First off, Buffalo Bills safety, DeMar Hamlin. The horrific situation one week ago tonight on the field in Cincinnati continues to do so much better. Earlier today, upgraded from critical condition to fair to good condition, and that allowed him to be transferred back to Buffalo for continued care. And are you serious? What happened? Yesterday, the first play the Bills have been a part of since their teammate went down on the field in Cincinnati last Monday, a kickoff return for a touchdown. In fact, they had two yesterday, just simply storybook. Sports sometimes just makes you shake your head. Bills got it done, beating the Patriots 35-23 and knocked New England out of the postseason. So good news on DeMar Hamlin today. Great news for the Notre Dame football family, in particular, Michael Stonebreaker. He has been elected to the College Football Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2023. Stonebreaker, a two time All American for the Fighting Irish. Boy, he was one heck of a linebacker for Notre Dame in the late 1980s. A Louisiana native, he was a big-time member of that 1988 national championship team. 104 tackles that year, second most on the team. Missed the 89 season, came back in 1990, and led the Fighting Irish with 95 tackles, part of that Orange Bowl Notre Dame team that lost the tough one to Colorado 10-9, a Colorado team that ended up sharing the national championship with Georgia Tech. Stonebreaker, after Notre Dame, a ninth-round pick in the 91 NFL draft by the Chicago Bears, played three years in the NFL with the Bears, the Falcons, and the Saints. So congratulations to Michael Stonebreaker, two-time All-American linebacker and a national championship player for the Fighting Irish in 1988. Elected to the College Football Hall of Fame.
1: The first pitch and the first pitch of the night, and we are ready for the first pitch of- into the wind in of his first offering. Just a bit outside. He tried the
2: corner and missed. Well, since I'm a hockey guy and a baseball guy, but being a hockey guy with the topics I have, I think I should call this a hat trick worth of topics. I've got three I want to get to in this opening segment. First off, we found out over the weekend that the Fighting Irish are getting back some much needed play at the safety position as DJ Brown has decided to return for a sixth season. He gets the bonus COVID-19 season for all those 2020 FBS players. DJ Brown is back for another go-around. Came to Notre Dame as a three-star recruit, and the Irish have gotten a lot out of that alleged three-star player. He's coming back to be one of the big pieces in the Fighting Irish secondary. You look about what has transpired since the end of the season. The Irish lost a starter in Brandon Joseph off to the National Football League. Another safety, Houston Griffith, is out of eligibility. So once the Irish left the field in the Gator Bowl against South Carolina, not knowing what Brown was going to do, the top two returning players in terms of being on the field, being in important plays, Xavier Watts and Ramon Henderson. So we have those two. Plus, the Fighting Irish are in a situation right now where they picked up a grad transfer and Thomas Harper from Oklahoma State. Now, he could be more of a nickelback than a safety. He spent a lot of time in that three-safety system covering the slot receiver of the opposition. So, Harper probably going to be listed as a safety and if we're guessing right, and it's a guess at this point, could spend a lot of time at the nickel taking the place of Tariq Bracey who did a great job in that spot this year. So now DJ Brown returns. He started 10 of 13 games last year for the Fighting Irish. 48 tackles. That was fourth on the team. He had a couple of pass breakups. He has played In 47 career games, 105 tackles, 5 pass breakups, and 3 interceptions. No safety on the Notre Dame roster played more snaps than D.J. Brown last year. So now, with Joseph and Griffith gone, you can go into next season with D.J. Brown, Xavier Watts, who started the last four games of the year. He ended up with 39 tackles and three pass breakups. Ramon Henderson, the former cornerback turned safety, he had 23 tackles on the season. We just talked about Harper. Might be more of a nickel guy. You still have junior Justin Walters, who we just don't know a whole lot about yet at the safety spot. And you've got three members of the class of 2023 that are labeled safeties. Ben Minich, Braden Hillman, and Adon Schuler. So the secondary looks a little better right now with D.J. Brown returning for another year. So this is just a wild guess. But in the secondary next year, you could see the corners being Benjamin Morrison and Cam Hart. You got Thomas Harper as that guy that could be a safety nickel combination. And then maybe D.J. Brown and Xavier Watts Are your starting safeties for next year's defense run by defensive coordinator Al Golden. So DJ Brown back for a sixth year, started 10 of 13 games last year for the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. Let's turn to basketball for a moment. Very odd to see the Irish women's basketball team struggle offensively, but they sure did Yesterday, North Carolina lost four straight games. They were at home taking on the Irish. And credit to Carolina, they used a 3-2 zone to really, I guess it's fair to say, throw off Neil Ivy's team. The Irish averaged 84 points per game. Their lowest point total before yesterday in a game this year, 63. They put up 50 against Carolina. Carolina beat the Irish 60-50. Notre Dame shot just 28% from the field. And honestly, you look at how the game played out. Their inability to hit anything from the outside pretty much put this game in the win column for Carolina. Notre Dame from the three-point line yesterday against that zone, two for 22 for 9.1%. The Irish had 19 turnovers to seven assists. That's miserable. So the six game win streak is snapped. The Irish are still 12 and 2, 3 and 1 in an upset minded ACC. And by the way, I saw Tyler Horka post this from Blue and Gold Illustrated. The Irish in ACC road games so far this year from the three point line, they are seven for 46. 15.2%. So they were only 5 for 24 from the three point line on the road before going 2 for 22 yesterday against North Carolina. Olivia Miles, 15 points. Sonia Citron had a little bit of an off day, 13 points. Lauren Ebo had a career high 19 rebounds, including seven offensive rebound. So, the Irish lose to Carolina 60-50, to and because of that loss, Neil Ivey's team fell three spots in the AP poll today. They are now number seven in the country. And we will wrap up this segment, our trifecta topics, with Mike Bray's Irish basketball team, I guess as expected, had a rough go in Chapel Hill Saturday morning, an early start at 11.30, North Carolina 81, Notre Dame 64. This Irish basketball team when the norm happens and the norm being no post game, inability to be even a decent defensive basketball team, they better hit their three point shots. That's what they need. It almost feels like they gotta hit 12 or 13 three-point shots to have a shot to win right now. In this game against North Carolina, the Irish were 7 of 18. Problem was, Carolina 47% from the field, 42% from the three-point line. No surprise, they were plus 13 in the rebound category. Irish fall by 17 points. Credit to Carolina. They had a good switching defense. Didn't open up many holes for the Irish shooters in this game. Nate Leshefsky, who always shoots well against Carolina, he's had some big games against the Heels, only took one three-point shot made it, seven of ten overall. He led the Irish with 17 points. He also led them with eight rebounds, only one turnover in 34 minutes of action then you had Dane Goodwin and JJ Starling each with 10 points Cormac Ryan who got kicked out of the game for an unnecessary play on the floor where his foot ended up near the face of a Carolina player eight points on three of 12 shooting for Cormac and then Marcus Hammond and Trey words each with seven we got to see a little bit more of freshman Dom Campbell with Van Allen Lubin down with an injury. And Campbell, in my estimation, a very raw player right now. He had to go up against one of the best bigs in the country. And Armando Bay and picked up three quick fouls. Campbell ended up fouling out in just seven minutes and 11 sec- seconds of action. Picked up his first collegiate field goal. He had three points and a couple of rebounds in the ball game. But there is work to be done with his game in order to make him a serious contributor. But at the same time, might as well use his fouls. He was physical. I like that. He was bodying Baycott, throwing his body around in the paint. Use his five fouls. I think at times it can't hurt. That's for sure. You don't have much of an offensive weapon in Campbell, but a big on the inside hopefully can slow down the opposition just a little bit. But for the Irish in this game, 41% from the field, 38% from three, and only 7 of 14 from the free throw line for 50%. One of the best free throw shooting teams in the country did not have their shooting eye at the Smith Center in Chapel Hill. So, the Irish are 8-8 overall, and now 0-5 In the ACC. Now, this game did not come down to the closing moments, but other games, B.C., Florida State recently, Notre Dame, closing moments of the game, had a chance to win, didn't win. Just showing you how different things are from the start of the year to where we are now. I found these clips. First off, this is Fighting Irish head coach Mike Bray at the start of the season talking about his old experienced team with six grad transfers. Kind of felt like been there, done that with this group. So here's what he had to say at the start of the season about his team. We got we
3: got some old guys, man. When you have, I mean, 12 scholarship players, six are in graduate school. Six guys getting master's degrees. And five of the guys in the rotation are fifth year guys. So they certainly know how to play I think you guys have heard me say, I think it's a group that learned how to win last year, that older nucleus, so it's a pretty pretty focused group.
2: You heard him say there they learned how to win last year. But here we are with some late game situations against the better teams on their schedule. It's just been tough for the Irish to get it done. And against BC, against Florida State, HERE'S MIKE Bray ABOUT THIS SAME EXPERIENCED TEAM. WELL, it,
3: HEARTBREAKING. I MEAN, BECAUSE WE HAD OURSELVES IN POSITION, THOUGHT WE WERE A LITTLE BETTER DEFENSIVELY IN THE SECOND HALF, AND, uh, YOU KNOW, WE JUST we COULDN'T FINISH. BUT THAT'S KIND OF US. WE'RE NOT QUITE, we're, WE'RE A LITTLE FRAGILE FINISHING. AND uh, um, SO, uh, YOU KNOW, WE'LL KEEP WORKING WITH THEM AND TRYING TO GET THEM CONFIDENT. YEAH. Um, I feel for us because we really gave ourselves a chance to win. Um, and the read, I thought Trey's read on the cut by Cormac there at the end was great. He just threw a little long, and I don't want him losing sleep on it, even though I'm sure he will. Um, but we we had a chance. We just uh, we couldn't finish it. I thought we were actually a little better than we were the two previous games. So maybe we got a little something to build on.
2: Unable to finish is a surprising statement from Mike Brake considering what this group accomplished last year. Big difference, no Blake Wesley. J.J. Starling takes his spot in the starting lineup. But it's a team right now that just unfortunately feels broken. We're not overly competitive as the game went on against North Carolina a team that's not been able to beat some of the weaker teams on their schedule, weaker from the standpoint of power five conference teams that are not in the top 25. You can't win at BC, losing on a neutral floor to Georgia, a couple of examples. It really feels broken at this particular time. Now you have a winnable game tomorrow. The Irish are back home to take on Georgia Tech. The Yellow Jackets are 8-7, 1-4 in the ACC. But here comes a yeah, but. The yeah, but is Georgia Tech knocked off the Miami Hurricanes last week. So they've got a really good win recently under their belt. Irish and Yellow Jackets from Purcell Pavilion tomorrow night. 7 o'clock opening tip. You can hear the game on WSBT Radio. Our pregame coverage will get started at 6.30 with the voice of the Irish Tony Simeone setting up the ballgame. 0-5, 8-8. Not in my wildest dreams was I thinking that. At the start of the year, I thought this is a team that could be seated anywhere from 7-11 to 11 in the NCAA tournament, considering what they had coming back. But now it's going to be a team that's going to have to run the table in the ACC tournament to get into the NCAA tournament because their resume right now just has pretty much nothing on it at this particular time. Just a stunning season so far this year. Irish have another shot tomorrow as they take on Georgia Tech. 528 is our time. Darren Pritchett with you. Those are... I guess a hat trick worth of topics to start the program off. Coming up in a couple of moments, we'll focus on tonight's college football national championship game. TCU and Georgia. We'll play the advantage game to try to figure out who has some of the advantages in tonight's matchup. As Jeffrey pointed out on Twitter this afternoon, is it going to be how about them dogs or how about them frogs? Bulldogs and horn Frogs scoring up tonight in Los Angeles. We'll have a little preview coming up next as we talk some college football on Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: Latest forecast from the WSBT Weather Center.
0: Skies will be mostly cloudy tonight with a low of 32 degrees. On Tuesday, we're mostly cloudy with just a slight chance of showers as we reach a high of 43. Cloudy skies with a slight chance of rain on Wednesday, mild highs around 46. And then on Thursday, a 50% chance of rain showers mixing with snow late as we reach a high of 42. I'm WSBT 22 meteorologist Abby Wepler.
2: We're gonna win. Don't wanna be a loser, gonna win. The man in the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Lorenzo Styles on the post route. Gives to Esme, leaps into the end zone, touchdown Notre Dame! Ball caught, touchdown! What a catch by Jaden Thomas! Hands off the dig, there he goes! 20, 15, 10, touchdown Notre Dame! We're going out the way!
1: Notre Dame football coverage continues now from Sports Radio 960 AM, WSBT. Here come the Irish. Here's your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: 5.35 on your home of tonight's national championship game, Georgia. And TCU Sports Radio 960, WSBT. Thanks so much for joining me on this Monday evening. Looking forward to tonight's matchup. Georgia, the huge favorite to win the national championship. DraftKings Sportsbook, last time I checked, the odds had moved a little bit. Georgia went from being favored by 12.5 to 13. Well, all we can ask for is to have the type of game tonight like the matchups we had in the national semifinals. What a great performance by TCU. They got ahead of Michigan and would not let the Wolverines catch up. Wolverines helped them out along the way, but TCU got the job done. And then the wild Ohio State-Georgia game, it sure looked like in the third quarter, Ohio State was going to knock off the dogs, but Georgia came roaring back, and here... The Bulldogs are trying to become that first team to win back-to-back national championships in the playoff era. And overall, the first back-to-back champion since Nick Saban and Roll Damn Tide. Alabama won in 2011, as Irish fans know, 2012. Well, let's go ahead and take a look at tonight's matchup in the national championship game, TCU. Not even the conference champion in the Big 12. They were knocked off by Kansas State in the Big 12 title game, taking on the undefeated and SEC champion, George Bulldogs. The game will start at 7.30 tonight. So a couple of details first off. If TCU can win the championship, they would become the first team to win a national championship being ranked outside of the top 25 in the preseason since Georgia Tech shared the national championship with Colorado in 1990. And, of course, when you think about that, you think about Rockets' punt return against Colorado in the Orange Bowl that got called back because somebody did something that a lot of people haven't found yet on film. But that helped Colorado share the title with Georgia Tech. So TCU would become the first team to win the title and not being ranked in the preseason top 25. Also, I think this is a cool stat, TCU went 5-7 and seven last year. That should give every program and its fan base hope. So after going 5-7 and seven last year, if TCU wins the national championship tonight, they would become the first team – to win the title coming off a losing season since 1965 when the Michigan State Spartans pulled that trick. In fact, if TCU wins, they would become just the fifth team to go from an under 500 record the year before to winning the national championship. So there's a couple of nuggets going into tonight's title game. Let's use our advantage game to try to figure out who might win. This national championship will start when the Horned Frogs run the football tonight against Georgia. Well, TCU is 20th in the country in running the football at 204.5 yards per game. The old Georgia defense, despite losing all those players to the NFL, still elite. The Georgia run defense, number two in the country, giving up just 80 yards per game. I think the Georgia run defense is going to have the better of this matchup. I think TCU is going to make plays in the running game. I think they'll go over Georgia's run defense's normal average. So I think I think they're going to run the ball okay. But I don't think is going to allow TCU to get up to that 200-yard mark. If they do, game on in the title game, I'm going to go advantage Georgia when TCU runs it. Again, I think TCU is going to run it okay tonight, but they've got to dominate in that area. What about when TCU throws the football? Good matchup here. TCU's pass efficiency offense is eighth in the country. The Georgia pass efficiency defense is 17th in the nation. Georgia does not give up many big plays I mentioned earlier. They gave up only six plays of over 50 yards this year. TCU, one of the best in that category. You look at Max Duggan, the TCU quarterback who was offered by Notre Dame. Duggan has 18 passing touchdowns this year of 20 or more yards. So a couple of strengths going toe-to-toe. I think TCU will make some plays in tonight's game. But again, I'm going to lean toward Georgia's defense having the advantage. And you'll see why I'm picking Georgia with the advantage in these two categories when I get my final score prediction and the number of points I think TCU will put up. All right, let's go now to the Georgia offense. When Georgia runs the football, they are 23rd in the country at 201 Point nine yards per contest. The TCU run defense is the one part of this game that you see an element of a squad that has a weakness. TCU's run defense is 70th in the country, giving up 152.1 yards per game. You think about the Big 12 and those big offensive numbers, but it's pass, 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 pass. So it's interesting TCU is 70th in the country and run defense at 152.1 yards per game. Normally teams that give up a lot of rushing yards don't do well in this championship game. Advantage, McIntosh and Georgia. When Georgia throws the football tonight, Georgia's pass efficiency offense is 11. TCU's pass efficiency defense is 23. Stetson Bennett has been in this spot. Overcame a tough interception in the title game against Alabama last year. Love his skill position players to help him out. They got a pretty good tight end. We won't mention his name because he's stealing all of Michael Mayer's awards, but you know who he is. I'm going to go slight advantage Georgia when they pass the football tonight. Special teams, pretty even. The field goal place kickers are in the same vicinity. The return games are close. So I'm just going to call it a draw. My score prediction for tonight's title game. Again, the spread is 13. I've got the Georgia Bulldogs going back to back. Bulldogs, 37. Hornfrogs. Frogs. Twenty. I hope it's a closer game than that. That's my score prediction for tonight's title game out in Los Angeles. Good thing there's a dome there at SoFi because it's a rainy day in Los Angeles watching some of the fans who are being entertained by outdoor concerts around the stadium. A lot of people have umbrellas. They've got the ponchos on to protect themselves from the rain but we're all good tonight inside that dome it's open air on the sides but it'll be a good night for football i saw one of the media members say it's actually kind of cold inside the stadium today 7:30 30 kickoff pregame starts at 7 right here on sports radio 960 wsbt tcu and georgia Coming up next, we will allow you to have your say about tonight's title game with our Twitter question of the day. It is five forty-four. My name is Darren Pritchett, and this is Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on WSBT Radio, brought to you by Budweiser, by Barnaby's of Mishawaka and Granger. Now with three locations to serve you, their newest location on Lincoln Way in the Twin Branch area is now open for carryouts. Barnaby's, the family inn. By the Food Bank of Northern Indiana. By Midland Engineering Company, beginning their second century of quality roofing experience. By the Mishawaka Education Foundation, granting a better future. By Pet Refuge, urging you to adopt. Don't shop for new beginnings. Have happy endings. And by our sports update sponsor, Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Contact James Kittner in South Bend or Kimberly Thibodeau in South Bend.
1: You can listen to Budweiser's weekday sports beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT radio in the app store and Google play now. Back to local sports talk on Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: 549 at WSBT. I started the program by mentioning that one of the greats in Notre Dame history, Michael Stonebreaker, two-time All-American, 1988 national champion, elected to the College Football Hall of Fame as part of the class of 2023 today. Among the other players that are in this particular class, First off, one heck of a football coach from his days at Georgia and Miami. Mark Richt, Paul Johnson, who went up against the Fighting Irish as the head coach at Navy and Georgia Tech. in among the players, Michael Bishop, the quarterback from Kansas State, Reggie Bush, the former Heisman Trophy winner, the running back from USC and the author of the Bush push in the Notre Dame-USC game, in, what, 05? He's now a member of the College Football Hall of Fame. Dwight Freedy, star of the Indianapolis Colts, played at Syracuse. He's in this class. Really good offensive lineman from Iowa. Robert Gallery is in this class of 2023. Also, Luke Keekley, the great Carolina Panther linebacker. He was an outstanding linebacker playing for Boston College. Also in this class, Tim Tebow, the Heisman Trophy winning quarterback from the Florida Gators, and Troy Vincent, outstanding corner from the University of Wisconsin. Just a few of the names, along with Michael Stonebreaker in the class of 2023.
1: This is the Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat Twitter Question of the Day from Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
2: Well, on Friday, we asked you this Twitter question of the day, and it was based on the fact that Notre Dame had received a commitment out of the transfer portal from Wake Forest quarterback Sam Hartman, all-time leader in ACC history in touchdown passes with 110, five years of experience as a quarterback at Wake Forest. Arguably the best player in the transfer portal picks the Fighting Irish of Notre Dame. So based on that, I asked you this question on Friday and you voted on my Twitter account at 960 Sportspeep. Do you expect there to be a true quarterback competition at Notre Dame this spring and fall? You had three choices. Number one, yes, there will be a true quarterback competition. Hartman versus Tyler Buckner. The second choice. No, there will not be a true quarterback competition. Hartman is the guy. And the third choice. No, there's not going to be a true quarterback competition at Notre Dame because Tyler Buckner is the guy. Let's pass along the results of Friday's Twitter question of the day. I wasn't sure what I was gonna get from the third choice, but to be fair, had to put it out there. Coming in third place, no, there will not be a true quarterback competition because Tyler Buckner is the guy, he's the starter. Not one vote for Tyler Buckner. Second place in the voting. Yes, there will be a true quarterback competition Buckner versus Hartman. Now, I should have said this up front in reviewing this question. True quarterback competition means away from the cameras, away from the microphones. There really is a quarterback competition because we're going to hear there's going to be a competition because that's what you need to say. You just don't hand a guy a job. But I'm looking for... Away from all of us, is there going to be a true quarterback competition, not just word speak? So, second in the voting, yes, there will be Buckner versus Hartman. That got 30 percent of the vote, and the runaway winner. Do you expect there to be a true quarterback competition at Notre Dame this spring and fall? The answer is no. Sam Hartman, he's coming to town. That's my guy, and he'll be Notre Dame's guy. That got 70% of the vote, an easy win for no true quarterback competition because Sam Hartman is here, threw a lot of touchdown passes and won a lot of games for the Fighting Irish next year. Well, thank you so much for voting. Greatly appreciate it. Got a lot of people voting on that particular question. We'll see what we get from today's question that actually went up on Twitter yesterday. What is the most likely outcome of tonight's national championship game between the Georgia Bulldogs and the TCU Horn Frogs. Here are your four choices. Number one, Georgia wins the championship by a total of one to 13 points. The second choice, Georgia wins the championship by 14 or more points. Your third choice on the most likely outcome of tonight's championship game, TCU wins by one to seven points. And finally, your fourth choice, TCU, I think in what we would all say is a surprise, they win the title and they beat Georgia by eight or more points. You can vote on today's Twitter question of the day on my Twitter account at 960 Sportsbeat. What do you think? Title game, your prediction. Georgia wins by 1 to 13 points. Georgia wins by 14 or more points. TCU wins by 1 to 7 points. TCU wins by 8 or more points. Looking forward to passing along the results on tomorrow's program, and we'll come back with a brand-new Twitter question of the day. I'm Darren Pritchett. This is Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, brought to you by our title sponsor, Budweiser. We've got a sports update coming up in a couple of moments. We're going to talk more football, but we got to go to the NFL for a moment because mock drafts, I think, are going to be mentioned a few times on this show between now and the NFL draft in late April, because local teams sit at pick number one, number four, number six, and number eight. 18 We'll talk about Bears, Colts, and Lions conversation on the way in just a couple of moments as Budweiser's weekday sports beat heads into the 6 o'clock hour on your home of tonight's national championship game, TCU and Georgia, Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
1: A Michiana tradition continues. Welcome to Budweiser's weekday sports beat on Sports Radio 960, WSBT.
2: Welcome to the second hour of Budweiser's weekday sports beat on your home of the Fighting Irish and tonight's national championship game, Georgian TCU Sports Radio 960 WSBT. Great to have you on board. Darren Pritchett with you and hope you had a terrific weekend. Thanks for starting a brand new sports week with me here on Sports Radio 960 WSBT recapping a few of our headlines today over the weekend we found out that safety DJ Brown returning to the fighting Irish football team for a six year nobody played more snaps at the safety position than DJ Brown in 2022. So, D.J. Brown, Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson, the newcomer, Thomas Harper, who might be more of a nickel. Some of the names to keep in mind at the back end of Al Golden's defense in 2023. Also, we found out today that Michael Stonebreaker is the latest Notre Dame football player to get elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. 1986 through 1990, two-time All-American linebacker, national champion in 1988. He becomes the 55th Notre Dame player to get elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. The last five to get in, 2021 offensive tackle Aaron Taylor. 2019 Rocket Ismail, the wide receiver. 2017 linebacker Bob Crable. And you go back to 2015 wide receiver Tom Gatewood. Congratulations to Michael Stonebreaker, the 55th Notre Dame player to get elected to the College Football Hall of Fame. We are going to spend a little time right now talking about the National Football League because my, oh my, oh my. Yeah, I know the Texans and the Colts, not exactly a stellar matchup down at Lucas Oil Stadium yesterday, but the outcome of the ball game completely altered the top of the NFL draft. The Houston Texans, by winning that game in miraculous fashion, cost themselves the number one pick, moving the Chicago Bears to the number one spot. The Texans, a 4th down miracle throw into the end zone. Got to within one. Lovey Smith went for two. Got it. And because of that, the Chicago Bears are number one in the draft order. The Houston Texans come in at number two. Then it's Arizona at three. The Indianapolis Colts move up one spot when the Denver Broncos beat the L.A. Chargers out in Mile High yesterday afternoon. So the Colts should thank Russell Wilson for doing a little cooking finally this year. So the Colts are now number four. The Seahawks, who have the Broncos pick, sit at five. And the Detroit Lions, wow, what a win last night for Detroit, knocking the pack out of the postseason. Detroit will pick six and eighteen in the first run of team that looks like it is ready to blossom. They have two high picks to improve that roster significantly for two thousand. And twenty-three. So all of a sudden, the Chicago Bears sit in the driver's seat. They are in the pole position for the NFL draft. So what does that mean? The obvious choice, since in most people's opinion, the Bears do not need a quarterback that they can draft. For example, Will Anderson, the edge rusher from Alabama, arguably the best player in college football. Or, what I have to really feel like is the best choice. Granted, you got to get the right offer, but the opportunity to trade down and acquire more picks, including maybe a couple of more first round picks, by just moving down in the first round, and you probably are still going to get one of the players high on your board. But let me go back to the initial statement because there are already two themes starting surrounding the Chicago Bears. And the NFL draft. Number one, should the Chicago Bears give any thought of drafting one of the three top quarterbacks and those top three quarterbacks in no particular order, Bryce Young of Alabama, Ohio State, C.J. Stroud, or Kentucky's Will Levis? And by drafting one of those three, you trade Justin Fields. So theme number one, should the Bears think about Drafting a quarterback and trading fields. Number two, are the individuals saying that the media is crazy for saying this and we are all just creating drama? I don't think it's drama. Ryan Poles is the general manager of the Chicago Bears. He will enter his second draft. He did not draft Justin Fields. That is a key point. As we have this conversation, this front office did not draft Justin Fields. Ryan Poles has a philosophy that he wants throughout his football team. When it comes to quarterback, I'm not sure what's the blueprint. If Justin Fields is his guy, if he believes in Justin Fields, we know what he can do running the football. Almost broke the all-time rushing record in a single season by a quarterback. Had he played Sunday probably would have broken the record. But is he the type of guy that is going to continue to grow as a thrower of the football? And as we all know, how about a better offensive line, a better set of skill position players to give him a fair chance? But it is a job of the front office to make this decision. You do not pick number one often, or at least you shouldn't. Some teams get it more often than not. Houston, Jacksonville seem to be a couple of names that pop up all the time. But the Bears have not picked first since 1947, and they screwed up that pick. That was a horrible pick. That didn't work out. The old blonde bomber, Bob Fenimore, out of Oklahoma A&M and m h was injured going into the draft and... Was injured coming out of the draft, 10 NFL games, 189 rushing yards. Ouch. That's not taking advantage of the number one pick. The number one pick allows you, if you believe there is a franchise quarterback in this draft, you take him. If you don't believe Justin Fields is the type of quarterback you want running your football team. It's not a crazy thought. It has to be thought about. If you're a fan saying it's crazy to think about this, then it's a good thing you're not a GM because you have to go through all of these options. We don't know what Ryan Poles is thinking at this time. What his blueprint is for this offense. Does he want a more traditional drop back passer? C.J. Stroud, Ohio State, yes. Bryce Young, Alabama, yes. Will Levis, yes. If you want a guy that has game-breaking ability running the football and a guy that is still developing as a passer, he's not as good probably as these three coming out of college. Stroud and Young for sure. Levis, I'm going to hold out total opinion on him until we see a little bit more of him. i got to be honest, I watched him in one game, but I wasn't watching Kentucky to break down Will Levis. So the Bears have an interesting decision. They are in a wonderful spot. If Fields isn't their guy, they can get a guy that they feel like would be better for the franchise. If Fields is their guy, great. They could take Will Anderson and ride off into the sunset. Or they could trade down in the first round and acquire more picks, which seems like the most likely of the three options. This is going to be a fascinating lead-up to the NFL draft. I can't wait for Ryan Pohl's first press conference I say that knowing he isn't going to give us any information to any of the questions I asked. But I'm just looking forward to at least hearing how he answers these questions because someone or several people several times in the Chicago media is going to ask, do you give any thought of drafting your quarterback and trading Justin Fields? I'm not sure how he's going to answer it. Probably we will just say we're evaluating everything. When he says that, then every person is going to say, oh, he's thinking about it at least. He's thinking about trading fields and taking another guy. So it's going to be interesting how he handles that question. The wording of his answer is going to be very important. I'm sure he's going to have it handled by handlers and give him the definitive answer to give to the media. And I can't wait for that definitive answer. The Colts save themselves a little draft capital, When the Denver Broncos beat the Chargers. And as a Bronco fan, you're welcome. You gave us John Elway for nothing. So this is the least we can do in return of the favor by beating the Chargers to allow the Colts to pick ahead of the Seahawks at number four. You're welcome, Mr. Ursay, because your dad gave us two Super Bowl rings and we are forever grateful for your stubbornness. So the Colts are in a situation right now where you could argue that two of the three teams ahead of them will not take a quarterback. Now, we know that there are going to be teams that are going to want to get up into the top three to get one of those three quarterbacks. You have to imagine there's going to be at least one trade. It's either going to be the Bears at one or Arizona at three. Arizona has committed to Kyler Murray. As their starting quarterback torn ACL late in the year, he's mending. His quarterback Cliff Kingsbury was fired today. Mr. Bidwell, the owner of the Cardinals, said that Kyler will have a say in the new quarter or the new head coach. So Arizona is not taking a quarterback. They might trade down. The Bears might trade down. So the Colts, if there were no possibility of trading, they would get. Levis, Stroud, Young, they would have their pick of two of the three because the Bears wouldn't take one, the Cardinals wouldn't take one, but that's not reality. There are going to be teams that can be very interested in moving up. And you look at the rest of the top ten. Let's just stop at the top ten because once you get outside of the top ten, it gets pricey to get up into the top four. You look at five, Seattle, Geno Smith, Heck of a year. Maybe a surprising year. Do they go get their franchise quarterback if they believe there is a franchise quarterback? Possible. Then Detroit. Jared Goff played pretty good this year. Does that change the Lions thinking? They have two picks, 6-18. and 18. I would have to think Goff's their quarterback for the time being. Las Vegas at 7. Yeah, they're in play to move up. You know the Raiders will gamble if they feel necessary to move up into the top four to get one of those quarterbacks. They've given up on David Carr. They sent him home the last two games. Jared Stidham got the start. So Vegas, yep, they're in demand for a quarterback. Atlanta at eight, we're going to assume no since they drafted Desmond Ritter out of Cincinnati last year. So let's put them in the no category. Carolina? Carolina? Sam Darnold was okay late in the year, but again, if they think one of these three or more than one is a franchise quarterback, they might want to move up. Philadelphia has the Saints pick at 10. They've got Jalen Hurst. They're not moving to pick up a quarterback. So in the first round, quarterback, needy teams for sure. Texans at two, Colts at four, Seahawks at five is a maybe. Definitely Las Vegas at seven. So there are some teams that would want to move up. So the Colts have to play that game. The Bears played that game with Mitchell Trubisky a couple of years ago. Moved up one spot from three to two to make sure they got Trubisky. Gave up a lot of draft capital to do that. The Colts have went through so many quarterbacks. And there have been some failures along the way. Is this the moment where they say, we don't care about what it costs, the draft capital. We have to move up higher to make sure we get one of our guys. It would not surprise me if Levis, Stroud, and Young go one, two, three. 2 3 That teams come up and take the Bears' spot at 1 and the Cardinals' spot at 3. Wouldn't shock me in the least bit. And then the Colts are left without one of the big three. And that would be, it sure seems like, a big-time letdown. And it really feels like Chris Ballard, has to do something significant. This snuck up on me. Colts fans, you probably are well aware of this as a fan of the team, but seeing this laid out, I was surprised. First off, the Colts haven't won a division title since 2014. Everybody else in the division has won the AFC South twice since the Colts won it last. Jaguars, Texans, Titans, that's unthinkable. And then Chris Ballard as the GM of the Colts, his record in charge of the personnel. 2017 4 and 12. Got his hands on the roster, made some moves. 2018 10 and 6. 2019 7 and 9. 2020 11 and 5. 2021 9 and 8. 2022 4 12 and 1. It's worth noting Ballard's record could be a whole lot different if Andrew Luck had not retired, that changed everything about this Colts franchise and the Colts have been chasing their long-term quarterback ever since they sit at number four. It just feels like they can't not leave this first round without a quarterback. And if they leave without a quarterback, it sure seems like they don't feel like one of these three are a franchise quarterback. And we're assuming Ballard's coming back from some of the reports of the Colts' media. They feel like Ballard will return despite the records of his team since 2017. Three times in six years under 500, And still has not won a division title as GM of the Colts. So, Bears, Colts, Lions fans, you've got a fun couple of months with mock drafts. Bears at one, Colts at four, Lions at six and 18 624 is our time we'll have the postseason right here on WSBT radio we will have both games on Saturday the latter two games on Sunday and the Monday night are between the Cowboys and the Buccaneers your home for the NFL playoffs is sports radio 960 WSBT
1: sports. You can listen to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat live or on demand with our free WSBT radio app. Just search WSBT Radio in the App Store and Google Play. Now, back to local sports talk on Sports Beat with your host, Darren Pritchett.
2: Wisconsin has won two of their last three games, beating Lake Superior State and the Irish, and losing to Clarkson 3-1 in Milwaukee right after Christmas. Bavaro passes behind the net. Trevor Janicki brings it to the left corner. He's double teamed. And the puck is thrown away by Wisconsin. A quick shot from the left side. Save off the stick of Cilladoff. Rebound left circle. Notre Dame scores! The Irish have scored to take a 2-0 lead. It's Trevor Janicki. Picking up that loose puck in the left circle, and he shoots it down low, and he beats Jared Moe and Notre Dame. How about this offensive display in the first period? They're up 2 0. Well, I had the call of Irish hockey this weekend as Notre Dame was at the Cole Center in Madison, Wisconsin, taking on the Wisconsin Badgers, and Notre Dame was kind of Notre Dame. Lose the first game, win the second game. That has been the trend for way too long for Jeff Jackson's Fighting Irish. Welcome back to Budweiser's Weekday Sports Beat, 631 at WSBT. Well, the Fighting Irish hockey team. Right now they are 10, 10, and 2 overall. And this is a fighting Irish hockey team that is alternated. Loss-win for 12 consecutive games. The last time Notre Dame has won multiple games in a row, you have to go all the way back to mid-October when the Irish swept a home series against Northern Michigan and then beat Western Michigan at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Since that three-game winning streak, Notre Dame has not had a multiple-game winning streak. They have been... Not playing their best hockey in the first game of series, but then come back and play really well and win the second game of the series. You take a look at two weekends ago, Notre Dame kicked off the second at by hosting the Nanooks of Alaska. Did not play a very good game in particular over the first two periods in the first game of the series. Lost 3-2 and then played pretty well the following game and won 2-0. Well, similar situation. On Friday night at the Kohl Center, Notre Dame taking on a Wisconsin team that entered the series giving up 3.20 goals per game. That's in the bottom third in the country. That means that's not one of their strengths. They're not very good in keeping the puck out of their net. But on Friday night, Notre Dame took 27 shots and did not beat Wisconsin goaltender Jared Moe. The Badgers picked up the shutout. They scored two goals in the second period. A defenseman had a shot redirected in for the first goal of the game, and then it was a very soft goal given up by Irish goaltender Ryan Bischel on the second one as Corson Kuhlemans would make it 2-0 Wisconsin, and that would be the final score on Friday. The Irish then on Saturday kind of put behind them their scoring woes. This is a team that entered – Saturday's game only averaging 2.3 goals per game. I know talking to Coach Jackson for years, you want that number to be right around three goals per game, and his goal has always been to be plus one in the special teams categories. The problem is Notre Dame's power play and penalty kill are in the bottom ten in the country in each category, so rarely has Notre Dame been plus in special teams. But a little different story at least, on Saturday, as the offense was tremendous. Forget about the team only averaging 2.3 goals per game. They put up four goals in the first period. Transfer defenseman Drew Bavaro scored twice in the first period, his third and fourth goals of the year. Trevor Janicki scored his fifth. And Jesse Lanzell, a power play goal, made it 4 nothing in favor of the Irish. I think Notre Dame was something like four for their last 54 on the power play until Lanzell was able to score a goal for the Fighting Irish. So it was 4-0 Notre Dame, and as a broadcaster, not as a coach, calling the game where I have to watch the puck, so I miss a lot of things that happen outside of the puck. But I thought Notre Dame's 4-check was all over Wisconsin's defense in the first period. It forced them to dump the puck out of their zone rather than passing to center ice to a forward to start transition hockey. If you're just chipping it out to center because the defense is all over you, then you're more than likely not going to get a lot of momentum coming up the ice. You have to win a puck battle at center. But when you have a free pass to center, it's a whole lot easier to get into your offensive zone, and at times you might be able to pick up an odd man rush. I thought Notre Dame's forwards put pressure on those Badger defensemen throughout the first period. Forced turnovers or forced dumpouts, and the Irish took advantage. It seemed like the game was over, four nothing. In the second period, it was Jack Adams standing in front of the net. Jesse Lanzell took the shot. It hit Adams in the chest. Went in the net. We'll take it. It was five nothing. Irish going to the third. Then fasten your seatbelts because what we thought was going to be a ho hum victory, Wisconsin would score on the power play. Not once, not twice. Not three times, but four times. Four power play goals for the Badgers in the third period. On top of the craziness of the Badgers scoring four times on the power play during a five-minute major power play, they gave up a goal as Trevor Janicki stole a pass at center ice and ended up having a breakaway. His first shot was stopped by the goaltender, McClellan, but then... Janicky found the rebound and shot it through the legs of the Badger goaltender for his second goal of the night, sixth of the season, just the second shorthanded goal for Notre Dame this year. At that point with that goal, it was 6-3. It ended up being a 6-4 final score in favor of the Irish as they outshot the Badgers 38-25. But the power play of Wisconsin sure made things awfully interesting. They had two guys score two Power play goals each in the third period. That rarely happens. Matthew D. St. Fowl and Carson Bantle doing the damage against the Notre Dame penalty kill. So Wisconsin was four for six on the power play, and Notre Dame was one of three. So the Irish won the game, but they were minus three in the special teams category. So this Notre Dame team at this point, they have unfortunately, define themselves. It is a challenge at times to score, but they broke out Saturday and they're in that win loss, win loss, win loss mode, 12 consecutive games.'ll have a chance to go back to back in the win column when they take the ice once again on Friday at the Compton Family Ice Arena. And to do so, they have to beat the number one team in the Parawise and the number three team. In the USCHO.com poll, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. The Gophers have already beaten the Irish twice up in the Twin Cities, so now they will meet once again this weekend at the Compton Family Ice Arena. Can't wait to see. Always a great matchup when these two teams get together. So we've got Notre Dame and Minnesota. You can hear both games on our sister station Quality Rock, 94.3 FM, 7 o'clock face-off on Friday, 6.30. On Saturday, it is Notre Dame and Minnesota. And for this Fighting Irish Hockey team, they're out of the Big Ten race. As right now, the Irish through 12 conference games, they only have 15 points. That is good for fifth place in the seven-team Big Ten. And Michigan is in sixth but they've only played 10 games and have 12 points, so they have a couple of games in hand on the Fighting Irish. So it is still possible for Notre Dame to creep up in the standings. You would like to finish at least in fourth place. Fourth place means you would host the best-of-three quarterfinal round Big Ten Tournament Series. And right now Notre Dame is five points behind Michigan State, who is now scuffling, and the Irish have two games left against Michigan State, both of those games. In East Lansing. But right now, Notre Dame's got to focus on taking care of their business. They will play each of the other six Big Ten teams to close out the regular season. They will have to go to Penn State, Michigan, and Michigan State. I'm doing this off the top of my head, as you can tell, and they are going to host Wisconsin. They will host Ohio State, and they will host Minnesota, which is, of course, This weekend, I have a vote in the USCHO.com poll. The new poll is out. Notre Dame is not ranked this week. I had Notre Dame ranked 20th last week. I actually dropped them out of my poll this week. So I had five of the seven Big Ten teams ranked this week, including I had Minnesota number two in the country, Penn State number five, and I think Michigan was number seven. So I had three Big Ten teams in the top ten. All right, 6.39 is our time. Budweiser's Weekday sports beat from Sports Radio 960. WSBT will hope the Irish can put together a couple of good performances against Bob Motzko's Minnesota Golden Gophers. One of the key gophers is Logan Cooley, a player that was actually committed to the Irish hockey program for a good amount of time, but unfortunately changed his mind and ended up at Minnesota. He was a part of the... United States World Junior Championship team that collected a bronze medal a few days ago in the World Junior Championship. So, Logan Cooley and the Gophers coming to town. They want to continue to put together more points in the Big Ten standings because Minnesota is in full control of winning the regular season title. Minnesota, 10 wins and two regulation losses so far. They have 30 points through 12 games And they are eight points in front of second place Penn State and now nine points ahead of Ohio State. So the Gophers looking really good, but they're thinking big picture, Big Ten regular season title, number one seed in the Big Ten tournament, and they would love to be, once again, a number one seed in the NCAA tournament. In the pairwise rankings, which is that formula that helps to decide the at-large teams for the NCAA tournament, 16 teams make the tournament, Including conference tournament champions who get the automatic berth. Minnesota is number one in the Parawise. Notre Dame entered last weekend, 16th in the Parawise, and after a loss and a win at Wisconsin, the Fighting Hours dropped back one spot to number 17 in the Parawise. You want to be in the top 12 to make sure you're getting into the tournament because, as we know, Conference tournaments lead to upsets, and teams that would not get into the NCAA tournament get in because they win their conference championship and and earn that automatic berth into the field of 16. So, first things first, the Irish can't worry about, worry about the postseason. They're trying to get better and better, and I will say this, the one thing about Coach Jackson hockey teams, he's in his 18th year in charge of the fighting Irish, so this is a pretty good track record. This isn't a, a small sample size You can ask any hockey analyst that covers college hockey. You always have to watch out for the Fighting Irish in the second half. It is a program where Coach Jackson continues to make the team better year in and year out. So you would have to imagine this Notre Dame hockey team that's 500 right now. They'll get better as the second half goes on. They'll end up over 500. And at the very least, they'll be sniffing around for a spot. Back into the NCAA tournament, but a long way to go. And first things first, helping your cause—that would be beating Minnesota twice, the number one team of the Parawise. You can hear both games on the Notre Dame Radio Network. Again, Friday at seven o'clock, Saturday at six thirty. The pregame coverage starts fifteen minutes before the opening faceoff, and I'll have the call from the Compton on the Notre Dame Radio Network, including right here in South Bend on Quality Rock. 94.3 FM. So that is a little college hockey conversation as we get set for the Gophers and the Fighting Irish at the Compton Family Ice Arena. The teams are out on the field right now going through the warm-ups in Los Angeles for tonight's national championship game. The Bulldogs in their very familiar red jerseys tonight. And the TCU Hornfrogs Frogs are in their white jerseys tonight for this national championship game. georgia the number one seed in the college football playoff, TCU number three. They're in the playoff after knocking off number two, Michigan, in that wild 51 to 45 game. Can the Horn Frogs get it done? Can they win the national championship and take down Georgia? We've got some sports wagering thoughts on that game coming up. In just a couple of moments, it is 6:44. I'm Darren Pritchett, and this is Budweiser's weekday Sports Beat on your home of the Fighting Irish Sports Radio 960 WSBT.
3: Hey, basketball fans!